Welcome back to Almost Every Month Podcast, Episode 8, the much-awaited Tomoe River Paper episode. Since our last exciting episode with Morgane and Xylus, the preview party, much has happened in the Hobonichi world. For starters, you've all probably received your maroon-colored boxes from Japan full of your wildest planning pile yet. Or maybe you ordered from another party and spared yourself the dreaded brown and blue pen, But whatever the case is, you hopefully have a Hobonichi 2023 in your possession and are chomping at the bit to get started in it. If you've not received your Hobonichi supplies yet, congratulations. Waiting is the best part. Here are my thoughts, which I posted in our Hobonichi last month on the topic. Just remember that though this anticipation seems unbearable and the wait seems long, in truth, it's the best time in the Hobonichi cycle. You ordered the thing and it's on its way, but it's not lost or late yet and the box isn't squished by the post yet. And once you lovingly unbox it, you'll go mad trying not to use it for three more months while it stares at you from your desk looking so much more interesting and full of potential than your current working Hobonichi. And once it's finally time to use it, you're going to fret over how to do it perfectly or productively or artistically, and it won't look as nice as you imagined. So you'll start to imagine a Hobonichi for next year, where you to do better, and you'll have to wait for so long to see the designs while you use your old, messy, imperfect one. But before any of that happens, the right one is hurtling through space and time towards you right now, and its potential is endless. It might help you land the job, or get in shape, or refurbish your house, or plan a world tour, or simply relax. You just have to wait, and the waiting is sweet. That's true, right? I mean, if your Hobonichi is on the desk now staring at you, at least you haven't scribbled errors in it, right? It still has the potential to be your document of grace. But seriously, some of us love the messy, the cluttered, the info-rich result of a year in review, which we are all about to see more of in the Hobonichi flip-throughs around the internet. Until then, let's talk about the new paper. You've probably received the cutest little passport-sized test paper, and perhaps you busted out the pens and done your own test to see if the new paper holds up the way the previous versions of Tomoe River paper have. If so, feel free to DM or mail or audio message me to tell me what you think. I'm endlessly fascinated by the topic and I want to weigh everyone's thoughts, but have I used the paper? Not yet. I've just recently finally begun using my fountain pen in my cousin, it's a Twisby Eco, and I don't even know yet what I prefer in my planner pen-wise. Next month I'll hopefully have some pointers from today's guest, plus your feedback on your test paper forays, and I can put it all together for an update. And now for a message from our sponsor, Midwest Ephemera. Ink and paper. Most people don't think about printing much let alone get excited about it. But look around you and you'll see ink and paper everywhere, even among your most treasured belongings. At Midwest Ephemera, our small letterpress shop in Chicago, we think about ink and paper all day, every day. We'd love to work with you to create hand-printed invitations and stationery that you'll get excited about. Visit us at midwestephemera.com. And now, a note from our whiskered scribe, Mike Quest. Things to consider when looking into buying paper, journals, planners, other than paper quality. First off, we have choices such as white versus off-white, the ranges and versions of beige, yellowish, ecru, eggshell, silverish, and every shade in between. To be honest, I do not have much of a preference because I care more about paper quality but shades of paper colors can have an impact on you. Let's take a quick look. I used to solely prefer white paper because it is a great contrast to vibrant ink colors. Inks just seem to look better on white paper, but the bright white often causes eye stress 
during long riding sessions. Beige and other off-whitish colors are much better on the eyes during long riding session as the glare is cut down. If you so desire, I challenge you to look at the varied colors of white walls, pages of books, your e-reader, your electronic documents, the screen on the center of your car dashboard. Ponder what design decisions went into choosing these whitish, but not white colors. Hell, one of my Kindle e-readers is some magical color of non-reflective gray. What other considerations other than paper quality come up when making a purchase? The option of lined, dodd grid, and blank paper. I find lined paper to be limiting as it forces me to stay in the lines and the line width never really seems to fit my size of writing. I find the blank page makes everything I do look messy as nothing looks straight and the words grow and shrink as my pen drifts across the page. I personally find that dot grid gives me the perfect amount of structure while giving me the freedom of an almost blank page. I also find the grid helps me make checklists for bullet journaling types of activities. These are just some things to consider other than paper quality. I hope you had fun and I hope you learned something. I'd like to introduce you to Alessa, also known as Inky Rocks, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us anything uh, we might want to know about you. Hi, I'm Alisa McNeil and I'm Inky Rocks on like Instagram and YouTube and a couple of other things. And I'm really excited to be here. It's um, really nice to connect with other women in um, the fountain pen world. It's, it's still strangely uh, dominated by men. And mm -hmm. most of my viewers and stuff are men. And so I really try to do it. I really try to reach out to other women and stuff. And um, it's it's really cool um, uh, being on your podcast. I'm pretty excited. I listened to quite a few of your other episodes, and that was really a lot of fun. So I really like the vibe you have here. And um, okay. I live in Tokyo, um, and mainly because of, of my husband's job. And we've been here this time about seven or eight years somewhere in there. So I just have access to a lot of uh, stationery and fountain pens and inks that a lot of people uh, like to know about. So I decided to start a YouTube channel. I have, was raised in Japan a lot and I've spent over 30 years here off and on between my work and, and living here. And so stationery, Japanese stationery is kind of secondary to me. So I really didn't think about that when I first started my channel. And it was more centered on fountain pens. But now that I'm kind of like reaching out to other parts of the fountain pen world, I really realize how lucky I really am um, over here. So, but yet I think most stationary type channels, they are far more knowledgeable. I'm just kind of, it, it's just kind of a natural thing for me. I don't really get excited about a lot of things that I probably should only because I grew up with them and I remember even as a child going out and buying, because back then when I was young, it was like 360 yen to the dollar. So the dollar was super powerful. And so as, with my babysitting money, I could go out and 
get all kinds of really cool stationery. And this was back in the 60s and 70s. So it's just kind of a normal thing for me. I probably should get more excited about it. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I saw in your bio that you sent that you um, said you first picked up a, a fountain pen maybe around fifth grade when you found one in your desk. And then that was kind of like the start for you. But you had to kind of rekindle your interest in it as an adult. Yeah, um, exactly. My father had bought a secondhand desk for me and inside were a couple of fountain pens. And I thought by then it was already about 1965, 66 in there. And um, fountain pens were already out. I mean, the ballpoint pen just so quickly replaced the fountain pen. And so I just liked it because of the little mechanical parts of it. And mm -hmm. he got me some ink and then I just started playing with it. And I used it for quite some time as a novelty. Like whenever I was like writing an essay for school or something, I would write it first in the fountain pen and then write it with a ballpoint pen to turn it in or whatever. So um, I got to really be interested in that aspect of it. But then, as you know, it just gets, you know, you, you go to school and stuff gets due and you, you don't have the money to buy ink or whatever. And I kind of <laughs> got away from it. And then as an adult, uh, it was really interesting. Um, have you heard of the Colorado Pen Company? Yeah, that's familiar. Yeah, and it was like maybe 15, 20 years pen? ago. I don't know. They, they they resell pens a little bit cheaper. I mean, now with the internet, this was before the internet was big. Mm -hmm. um, they just would send out like maybe a quarterly magazine with all kinds of pen, fountain pens mm -hmm. in it. And um, one just showed up in my in my mailbox and mm -hmm. I started ordering fountain pens off that had no idea of the community or anything. Just that it rekindled my interest from when I was a kid. And that was maybe about 15 years ago. Wow. And maybe 20 years ago, I'm not, somewhere in there, but it wasn't something you could just go online and order. You had yeah, to like yeah. fill out a little form and then mail it to them. And then they mailed you the, the pen after you mailed them a check or whatever. You That's know? like more exciting so, in a way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just waiting for it and wondering what it looked like and everything. And so I kind of got into it that way. But then once I got on Instagram, I think I, I think I might've like followed Brad Dowdy or something. And then realized, hey, there's a whole community out there. And then I found Fountain Pen Network online and then it just went nuts after that. Mm, that's amazing. Um, I think I, I have a similar thing. I My first introduction to fountain pens was in um, high school. I, I was an exchange student for a year in Germany. And like, they were just like, where's your pen? You know, because everybody wrote <laughs> with fountain pens. And yeah. I was like, well, I have this, you know, blue big pen. And they were like, oh my God, <laughs> we have to take you to the store. And they took me to the store and I got like my first little student fountain pen. And to this day, I love like student pens or, you know, just like basic fountain pens, you know, that, that are a little bit, maybe not the very lowest one, but like the medium point ones. I just love that, you know? Um, and I think they're just such, they have such utility to them. Um, so I consider that, my greatest of all time pens, the goat, my goat is a pilot Kakuno. That's yes. it. I mean, I tell people that it's for the money. It's just, you can clean it easily. It can take a beating. It never dries out. It writes so smooth. Okay. It's consistent. Yeah. It's my goat. Yep. So, um, and I guess, you know, that a lot of my stuff is about Hobonichi's in particular. And so this episode is going to be about the paper. And, um, but before we dive right into that I wanted to ask you do you use a Hobonichi and if so do you have your 2023 already 
I I use three of them. And yes, I already have my 2023. I went there on the first day they opened up yes. and, you know, stood in line, you know, for like for 45 minutes. So it was the third one there and got what I wanted. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have three all, of them. <laughs> 45 minutes. Nobody shows up like a day in, a, in advance or anything. <laughs> oh yeah. No, there's just too many stores here that carry it. Yeah, so you'd be spread thin all over Tokyo. There's probably, I don't know, five or six lofts here in Tokyo that had it. Did you get it at loft? You got yeah, I got it at Loft. Yeah, instead they of had the, the, the full, main store, I had the full uh, lineup. Um, just about, you know, and of course there was a couple things like the one piece and stuff that was released later that they didn't have. They just had, I think, um, um, samples of it. Mm -hmm. So you know, you told us a little bit about when you first got interested in fountain pens. When did you first get interested in Hobonichi? This, it, I mean, I know you guys are diehard Hobonichi people, and this will probably be make you angry, but it was basically when um, Tomoa River first came out, it was difficult to find any kind of um, journal. Mm -hmm. So much so, I think it was about 15 years ago, I spent $200 to make a long distance call from Hawaii at the time I was living in Hawaii to wow. Tokyo, and I contacted this man, and he would buy reams of Tomoa River and then hand make them into journals with leather covers. And it was yeah. like a, just a handmade process. And he was the only one I knew that was doing that. Like use my bad Japanese and tell him that I'd like to order one for him. Yes, you can trust me. I'll send you the money ahead of time. <laughs> and I got, I still use it. I mean, it's just so precious to me because it was so expensive. Wow. But it was my first um, Tomoe River journal. And then when I found out that Hobonichi used it, it was over. I mean, I just bought them to just write in them at first. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and now I kind of got into the system of, you know, writing every day and stuff. And so I kind of mm -hmm. fell into it because of that. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of skin in the game as far as this paper goes with the Hobonichi planner in particular and all the changes that are going to happen. So I want to dig into that. But first, we just have to talk a little bit about your YouTube page, if you don't mind. Okay, sure. Because I, lo I love your YouTube videos. I think they're so informative and stuff. But one of my favorite ones is um, the 20 Weird Things video. Can you tell us uh, <laughs> yeah. a highlight or two? Yeah, I need to do another one of those. <laughs> yeah, they're. Uh, I am very idiosyncratic, and it turns out everybody else is too. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing that was interesting about it. So what was your, give me like, give us one or two examples for people who haven't seen the video yet. Um, Just like I was talking about weird things that fountain pen people understand. And one of them was like, say, opening a bottle and some caps just sound real good when you open the ink bottle. Right. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are just kind of blah. And I just love the way some of them kind of like rattle. And when you open them and that just that noise does something to me. And that's what I kind of, I listed things like that. It was amazing how many people in the comments all had their own little idiosyncratic things. So I have to make a part two. A part two include theirs. Okay. That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that was a fun one. You do some fun ones. I like that. Um, so I guess um, since you're so interested in Tomo River paper and you like to use it with your fountain pens and stuff, can you tell me a little bit about the history of it um, and maybe your understanding of the connection of it, like with Hobonichi? Has it been used since the beginning of Hobonichi, for example? Um, you would know more than I. I, I know a considerable amount of uh, Tomoe River simply because um, um, there was a group of us in Tokyo that all kind of meet every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And um, Jacob, who's um, handle is food a fan. And um, he does a lot of tests on paper. Mm -hmm. And so we all discuss the paper a whole lot. And he's just, um, and he's also fluent in Japanese, I think reading and writing. So 
he's able to like contact the people at like Sun's End or um, who, whoever he has a question, he'll contact them by email. So he's a really good source. And that's mainly why I know about Tomorrow River. And so I've done a couple things with him. We did like a collaboration on the new Tomorrow River paper, a video on that. But um, that's the main reason I know that. But as far as Hovenichi, I just basically fell into it as a means to an end mm-hmm. and and then fell into the whole kind of Hovenichi universe <laughs> because I just used the paper. So mm-hmm. I, you would know more about the history other than ever since I've used it, it's had Tamal River in it. It's had Tamal River. Okay. Do you know a little bit about the history of the recent change in the sales of the business and at the Tomorrow River uh, factory, I think they changed business owners, right? And then, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I'll give a kind of quick little history. And the reason why Jacob and I were talking one time and some lady had said something on one of my comments, I just really didn't know how to respond to her because I would have sounded like a jerk, but she just had about everything you could have have about Tomorrow River wrong. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to go through and just tell her what it was wrong. So I just kind of tiptoed around it, but I kind of talked to him and he said, it's just really hard unless you kind of understand the whole flow of it. And once you understand the flow of it, it makes a lot of sense. So first off, these companies are not big companies. One of the things I see all the time is people going, don't they understand this is what they want? And what they don't understand is fountain pens and even like the Hobonichi is a niche thing. Mm -hmm. And these paper companies are struggling to stay alive in the digital world right now. Mm -hmm. So some, if it's something's not making money, they're going to cut it. For instance, I don't know if you know that Cosmo Air Light, which is a very popular paper amongst fountain pen people, is now being discontinued. The company's mm-hmm. dropped it. So mm-hmm. they're just they're trying they're struggling to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Well, Tomoa River was initially made a long time ago, back before digital age, when it was really thin and very light. So they could mail out it was for companies that wanted to mail out brochures. So mm-hmm. you could save on postage because it was so thin and light mm-hmm. and it could hand, handle the ink. <clears throat> and then they had always made the paper on on machine number seven and what happened the machine was really old started to break down they made it on machine number nine the differences were very small i don't know why there was some differences but they had put out a bad batch and that bad batch got a really and i got one of the bad batches it was just terrible it was really terrible but the normal batches were pretty close to it and they were struggling so they ended up selling to sanzen which is a different paper company now, a lot of these are the things like you see of Sakai Technical Paper, Kami Terrier, and stuff like that that sell Tomoe River. Mm-hmm. They don't make it. They just resell it. They repackage the big spools of paper or whatever. But Sanzen is now the actual producer. Okay. And they know that their biggest bunch of sales goes to the Hobonichi audience. That's mm-hmm. their biggest block right there. So they tailored this new Sanzen Tomoe River paper to be like the old Tomoe River paper. There's some few changes, like it's got a finer texture and things like that. Maybe a little bit more give, but they, the biggest pen that's used in the Hobonichi is the friction, Mm -hmm. F-R-I-X-I-O-N. So they tailored a little bit more to stand up to like the eraser and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different. Yeah. And then the last thing that I am going to address is they do a running SKU, which means that from now on, when you see Tomoe River paper, you don't know if it's number seven, number nine, or the Sanzen. It's just a, it's it's like the parts to a a car. Mm -hmm. If it has a certain SKU number, but they change it a little bit, they still name it that part. It's the same thing. So no one can definitively tell you this is number nine, unless it's a company like Sakaya Technical Paper, they only bought number seven. 
they said that's the only thing we sold was number seven. They knew that before the sales happened. But now the sale has been made over to Sons and you don't know which paper you're getting. And they, but, still, have the, they still have both machines. No, um, there it's not being run on se seven or nine anymore because okay, when gotcha. Tomoe River sold it to Sons and they sold their stock too. Okay. Gotcha. All of it went to them, but it's not being made on se seven and nine are now kind of irrelevant as far as the going forward. Gotcha. Okay. But you don't know if Sons and selling you their new paper, the number seven paper or their old stock number nine paper. Okay. But uh, Foodafan did do a test. Jacob did do a test. And he found that this year's Hobonichi, the one that he actually bought, mm -hmm. was number seven paper, as close as he could tell. Mm. So there it is. That's the history. <laughs> yeah. And I think kind of complicated. Remember, it is complicated. My gosh. And I remember on the website, they said that this year's is still the old. Right. Stock. Correct. And that is it, it's old stock. Yeah. So. Yes. Exactly. And that's why they had the test paper with all the new ones this mm -hmm. year. So you could test out what it was going to be for next year. Mm. And it's interesting that you say that, like, you know, it's such a niche thing um, for them and they're still trying to survive. So it might not be in their interest for some of these type of products to continue to produce it. But at the same time, it seems like there's a big retro um, drive to use paper and especially in Japanese planners and Korean planners and things like that. It seems like it's a growing industry. I wonder if they know about, you know, how big they've, they obviously know Hobonichi has been growing and there's been more and more demand, you know, I wonder if they can take that into consideration or if it still impacts them, especially because there's, there was like uh, supply chain problems and, and wood, uh, you know, because of like climate and stuff, there's some problems with delivering wood and things. So maybe that's affecting them. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's still, even though, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Sons and, you know, changed the Tamal River a little bit to accommodate the friction more is because Hobonichi is their big, the, the mm -hmm. big gorilla that buys their paper, that, that particular paper. Sons and makes other stuff. Yeah. But um, so they are going to accommodate um, Hobonichi. And I think Hobonichi wanted things to be pretty close to the same. It mm -hmm. just made some slight tweaks. But yeah, there, there is, you know, there is a kind of an analog movement going on now. But man, there is just like a gajillion companies all like the amount of paper that has just skyrocketed, like coming out of Yamamoto right now, Yamamoto mm -hmm. paper. It's just insane. I can't keep track of it. I've just gotten overwhelmed a little bit. But I mean, it's like every day there's some sort of new paper coming out. So they're all jockeying for space. That's mm -hmm. for sure. You know, but in the end, it's a I think it's it's a tough market. And um, if you're interested in like reading more about paper, you can like, you know, um, check out Foodafan and also Musubi. Do you know that they, they make journals? It's he's called Musubi and he makes um, journals in um, <clears throat> Singapore, I believe. And he employs like handicapped people and, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting company, but he's really into the paper scene, really understands it. And Ooh. he puts out a newsletter like every month or so or a couple of months. And he talks a little in, more in depth about the paper industry and he would be the person to probably read up on. Yeah, that's a good idea. I have a friend who works for Field Notes as a designer and he's been kind of keeping me abreast of how difficult it's been just to even get, you know, the regular supplies of paper you um, asked for right. the, notebooks and stuff so I can right. see what would be a problem around the world but I am interested in um all the different paper makers um so in your opinion then you're saying it's hard to tell the difference in the quality between the papers um have you tried have you played around with your test paper 
and uh, all oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I was I was fortunate enough. I have a video out called the New Sons and Tomorrow River. And back in uh, about a year ago, um, a friend of ours, we can't, we're not allowed to say who it is, but a paper <laughs> person uh, gave both Fudifan and I the initial um, copies of Sons and Tomorrow River. That was before mm -hmm. it, it was for sale. And I tested it and I found it held up just like Tomorrow River as far as, you know, holding ink for a long time and sheen and all that. The only thing was, it was a little bit of a give. It was a little bit spongier than the original. Mm -hmm. And then when you hold it up to the light, it has a finer texture. And then I, when I got my Hobonichi this year, they gave you the free sample for next year. So it theoretically should have been the same as the Sanzen paper that I had tried. And I thought it was slightly better. I think they tweaked, the, personally, I think they tweaked the formula a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And it's not quite as spongy. It's pretty tough. And I can see where it would hold up to maybe friction erasing, mm -hmm. you know, And but it still has a finer texture. So it's different than the old Tomo River, but I felt like it was better than the actual sample I had tried a year ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm... I'm really quite happy with it. I think it's, I think most people will be. That's great. And do you think that um, because you're living in Japan for quite a while now and you grew up in Japan, do you think that there's something about the culture of Japan that they respect uh, paper and stationery so much more than uh Eastern oh, yeah. or Western society. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just the whole history of calligraphy. I uh, raised my daughter the first six years in school here in a public school in, in Japan. And um, I mean, she did the whole grind up the ink, dip the brush in, you know, do the big calligraphy. And, you know, I had to look at her homework every night. And when they're still, I mean, this was, she's, this was maybe about 20 years ago. That that time it was like, when they had handwriting practice where they would go through and circle the red, red, red pen, if you forgot a little tick or you just didn't quite swoop your letter just right. Mm -hmm. And it was, so it was, it was, it reminded me of my childhood about, you know, mm -hmm. handwriting being so important. So, and so because handwriting is important, the whole idea of writing mm -hmm. is communicating is so important. Yes, absolutely. I think paper is far more important. They have vast different kinds of, you know, so many different kinds of paper. And I think, and they even, you know, have the word paper tasting, you mm -hmm. know, where you can have the different feel for different kinds of paper. So absolutely, I think paper is paper revered paper. a lot more here. That's an interesting theory. So like, if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is maybe it has to do with the writing system itself, because I'm just, I'm taking a leap here now. I mean, you think about this little keyboard that we use in uh, Western culture. It can fit our 26 letters on there. It's not as complicated digitally to say, you know, to fly through what you need to say. And I know that, you know, in Japanese, it's like there's a lot of different um, options for writing styles and is kanji and other type symbols, right, right. that you can use. Right. Do you think it has something to do with that, that handwriting is so important because uh, it's not easier, but it took longer for the digital um technology to like catch up so that people just have prolonged the writing uh, yeah I think there I think part of it might be the fact that you know that it is a little it is a little bit more it isn't so much now because now you can kind of type like in hiragana which is really simple or even um uh, Roman letters and you can get the sound out and then the computer will give you all these different kanji, you know, uh, options. So now it's so much easier, but I remember even when I was studying Japanese, you're right. It was just kind of really hard to digitize that kind of system. Once they did, it's easy, but yeah. I think it was just an extra leap instead of just the 26 letters. Right. So yeah. it was an extra leap in there to get these complicated 
um, strokes along with the different pronunciations for each one because each kanji can have three to five different pronunciations. So yeah, I think it was a little bit more of a, a of a I think a, a technological leap to get that going. But I think there was more than that. I think it's just part of like the whole tea ceremony and calligraphy and and you know the uh, uh, taking your time to do something, some of the things they kind of teach that might be part of it. But mo but certainly I have never met a Japanese person that just didn't have beautiful handwriting. And, yeah. you know, I, I just, I mean, they, they definitely had to put time into it at school. So yeah. and if you have beautiful handwriting, of course, the paper is going to make a difference. And don't you ever wonder how much it will affect our development as humans if we don't, if we eliminate handwriting completely? Absolutely. And one of the things, I did not learn Japanese as a child. I learned it as an adult, so I, I have that approach. My daughter, I tried to put her in as many Japanese situations and where she learned Japanese as a child, mm -hmm. and the approach is a little bit different. And I found as an adult, when I studied kanji, this sounds really weird, but I felt like I accessed a different part of my brain mm -hmm. because of the, the complex nature of putting the pieces together mm -hmm. where we don't go linearly in A, B, C, or, you know, mm -hmm. ball, B-A-L-L. -L. It's kind of linear. It's kind of, I think it's probably true of a lot of other languages, but I feel like I accessed a different part of my brain. Yeah. And also because of that, I almost feel like uh, Japanese people were so much better at writing, drawing like little cartoons and little graphic things. Yes. Whenever you get a letter from any Japanese person, they've always got some little cute little character that they hand drew. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So cool. you know? yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think they just access a different part of their brain, which yes. would seem very normal to my daughter, which I felt was strange to me. We had learned Japanese different ways. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. I think when you don't have that eye, brain, hand connection, you might lose something. I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse, but I think you do lose something. And I think, you know, maybe that's, you can create more artists if you have that connection or, or something, or maybe you stimulate a creative part of your brain. I don't know. That's, you yeah. know, for someone much more experienced, but um, I do feel like you are going to lose something if you lose that connection. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if there's any research on that. Um, I just recently was talking to some young people through a, some volunteer stuff that I do. And we had written a handwritten card at the end of the program. And it, I wrote it in cursive before I realized, wait, this person is like 14. I wonder if they learned cursive. And yeah. as she was reading it, she was like, yeah, I learned, you know, I learned a little bit of cursive. Um, but my little sibling has, they don't do that in school anymore. They it's just wild, them. isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so they're kind of like phasing it out anyway, cursive first and then probably regular. But it's just interesting. Yeah. I just. I wondered how it'll affect things, but, you know, I mean, we haven't been writing for thousands and thousands of years, so yeah, that, you yeah. Know, maybe it won't. Uh... Well, back to the paper. <laughs> 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 so uh, how do you think the world, uh, the fountain pen world in particular, is receiving the Tamale River paper uh, news? Do you think they've uh, accepted it and are ready to try it and... Um, I think so. I mean, I think what happened, there was a, the good side of Tamil River having problems is it just exploded the mm -hmm. kind of paper you have. And people are very territorial about, I hate Cosmo Airline. I love mm -hmm. Cosmo Airline. I mean, they're like, you know, they're, so that that's just another option like ink. You have all the different kinds of ink and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I think it is is a good thing. And um, Tamil River, I think, will be here just because it just has some unique capabilities. It really does. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't use Tamil River all the time. I, I like journaling in some, right now, my favorite is Stamford paper from England. 
mm-hmm. and it just has a really crisp, nice feedback. And that's what I journal in right now. And then, of course, I use Hobonichi. So I, I use Tomorrow River almost every day. Mm-hmm. But it's not exclusive. And I and I think part of this changing really helped push me out of my comfort zone. And you learn to enjoy paper and the different aspects of it. Some of it's really good for shading and you do it for the shading or the ink play. And mm-hmm. some of it's just better for journaling. And I think that's just going to make it another option and in, in hopefully strengthen the paper industry, I hope. And do you also think that it's good paper for artists, um, for watercolor, for... Uh, the Tomorrow River? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that was kind of weird, somebody had asked me to get, uh, it's these markers, I got it right here. It's the Tombow markers. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, she said that it changed color on the new Tomorrow River. And she was right. It didn't it didn't as faithfully, I think, reproduce what she was used to, and the blending wasn't the way she wanted it. So there's going to be some technical changes that people are going to have to adjust to or find other paper for. But the basic, minute. you know, you can, excuse me? Sounds pretty minute, though. Yeah, yeah. But I think the basic of being able to dump ink on the paper and not have it bleed through is yeah. still there. And the fact that it'll still take a little bit longer to dry, therefore you're going to get a higher sheen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's... Uh, still true. So it's basic properties are still good, but there's some minute things, as you said. Yeah, I just recently started using a, a fountain pen in my Hobonichi, and I keep forgetting to let it dry. <laughs> oh, the, the, the technique is just to cut blotting paper the size, size of your Hobonichi. Uh-huh. And then when I finish, I get the bottom of the page. When I turn the page, I turn it right on top of the blotting paper and then continue oh, okay. writing. And so, so I've always got to, and then it's also your bookmarker okay. too. Yeah. So I, I have just reams of blotting paper. And I'm also left-handed, which complicates things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, but it's not too bad. Well, this has been great. Is there anything else that you would like to discuss about um, Tamari River or fountain pens that you think Hobonichi lovers would love to know? Well, I guess the main thing is that the paper is basically the same. Um, there's some minute differences that may people may or may or not like, but it still performs a lot like the old Tomo River, and I, I see it being as successful as the old stuff. That's great. I can't wait to get some feedback from some of the listeners and see what they think when they start using it. And I guess that will technically be next year, except for maybe I think there's one. Is it the the weeks that's using the new? I can't remember. Oh, the weeks won't be using it for another year. Oh, the weeks, so weeks is a, is is yeah. like. I think a, a, a year behind everybody else. Mm-hmm. So like next year's when they sell for next August, it'll be. The new paper, except for the weeks, I believe. Gotcha. Right, right, right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. so I can't wait to hear everybody's thoughts on it. And yeah, um, I would recommend if you don't follow um, Alyssa already, that it's Inky Rocks. That's your Instagram handle as well, right? Right, right. Okay. And there's just some really amazing content there. And I guess just everybody tune in because it's amazing work. And thank you so much for talking to me um, all the way across the world today. It's been great. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really, I'm really, this was the most excited I've been for a little while on, on doing anything <laughs> on social media. It really was. <laughs> Yay. I did a lot of research for this episode about Tamari River Paper, and I just want to share some of my thoughts. There are quite a few articles about Tamari River Paper and YouTube videos and things like that. I just want to give you a short reference here so that you can look them up if today's conversation uh, left you wanting more. So there is a YouTube called The New Tamari River Paper 2022 called The Successor. There's also an article at the blog Pen Noob 
entitled Sanzen Acquires Tomoe River Paper Rights in $2.64 million Deal. On Well-Appointed Desk, there's an article, Jesse Answers All Your Questions About Tomoe River Paper. At the Gentleman's Stationer, there's a paper review, First Impressions of the New Sanzen Tomoe River Paper, The Gentleman's Stationer. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and let you know that we have one more episode before the end of the year when we will switch over to the topic of Bujo's for 2023. So this is your last chance to get your thoughts out and to us about Hobonichi's. Of course, I'll always talk about Hobonichi's for all time, but I'd love to hear from you what you thought of the series. And if you'd have any thoughts you'd like to share about Hobonichi's, things we didn't cover, please DM me in social media at Almost Every Month Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.